All right, teaching others also, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. We concluded last time with 1 Peter 4 verse 11, and he ends that statement. It wasn't verses back then, we're well aware of that, we've talked about this, but he ends that statement with, Amen. So now he's going to start a new thought, connected, but new. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now this passage down through what we call the end of chapter 4 down through say verse 19 is truly loaded. I know occasionally I say that, perhaps often I say it, but it is. It is loaded. And it's loaded in the sense of being applicable, of course, in the time that Simon Peter wrote, but in the time that we live in. You know, here we are in 2023, May of 2023, and and it is it is such that there is no doubt that something's coming. Now, if you are a constant feeder upon, watcher of geopolitical news, you will miss what God has for you. I love the way he starts this sentence, beloved. That's not just a proper, polite way of addressing them. Simon Peter understood what the Lord Jesus Christ said about have ye love one to another, and that by that all men would know you're Christ's disciples. The love that true believers have toward each other supersedes everything else except our love for God, and truly it flows from our love for God. And so he's going to prepare them, he's going to arm them, you might say, with some a way of thinking that is going to help them to deal with what they're going to face. It is absolutely so that things go out the the way they come in. The church age came in with with great joy, etc., and with persecution, and with fiery trials, and it will go out that way. We come into this world needing to be cared for completely. And we even come into this world needing to be, you know, kind of bossed around a little bit. And we go out this way. We're speaking recently about, uh, to each other about, you know, several people were talking, we're talking to each other about, you know, older people. Uh, people that are, say, in their 80s or whatever, that whose children are, say, in their late 60s or 70s. And they can get really cranky. And people who work in those environments will tell you that at some point you have to draw the line and say, uh, I'm going to go now. And if you really want visitors or you really want some fellowship or you really want some somebody around here, you're going to have to treat people differently. That's how you have to do with children. That's how you have to do with older people as they go out. They tend to get that way. Now, I would hope as a believer you wouldn't. I would hope as a believer you get... Uh, sweeter, more full of grace, more like the Lord Jesus Christ. 
many of you have forgotten that he was not grumpy with his disciples. He was not. And so, beloved, he said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, there's a sense in which Christians get caught off guard, humans get caught off guard according to their expectation, according to their belief system, okay? Now, if you are reconciled to the fact that life in a cursed earth is tough, it will help you. Now, you're not supposed to get jaded by it. You're not supposed to get negative about it. Uh, You're not supposed to be cynical about it. That's the difference in being a child of God and walking in the Holy Ghost. Uh, You could be a child of God. You could be saved. You could be a true Bible-toting, Bible-believing Christian and be just as cynical and negative. In fact, I've met a bunch of them because the one thing they haven't gone on to is a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God and with the Word of God mixed together that brings about the grace of Jesus Christ in our life. The the goal is that we have to be shepherd-like in our attitude, especially toward wolves. But we're not to be like wolves toward sheep. We're not to be like cattle dogs are would be with sheep. Sheep don't do well that way. God made them that way. God said a good child of God is like a sheep. So I said all that to say that you have to have the right view of things to interpret them right. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Now there is a sense, literally in history, that believers have faced fiery trials. Okay? There's a a literal sense in which that is so. One need only read Fox's Book of Martyrs or Martyr's Mirror or, or almost anything that has to do with the lot in life of a Christian when the enemy is in charge. The enemy is other religion, okay? So he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Now it's fiery. Uh, he said that we, are, we have to take the shield of faith, Ephesians chapter 6, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know what you feel like when someone really embarrasses you? You blush, you flush, you feel your face gets hot, fiery. But you know what it feels like when someone really, really slams you or criticizes you? And for some of you, when they impose upon your will or someone does something, say, in traffic that you don't like, Or let's say you do something, they don't like it, they respond toward you, but then you're tempted. Fiery. But this says fiery trials. Now watch. The fiery trial which is to try you. So in this English, which you should not abandon, you should embrace this King James Bible. In this English, you find that to try it is what they do when they take something like gold or silver and they put it through a fire to purify it and to test it. So this fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So it is to be expected. Now you don't go out and try to find it. I've known some believers that went and tried to find it. They, they, just, they, they wanted to get 
Uh, they wanted to go out on the street and preach in such a manner that they got arrested or they got persecuted. They dealt with, say, their neighbors or the community or uh, out on the street in such a way that it got them, they wanted to have this confrontation. But the one that gets you the best gold and silver, okay, 1 Corinthians 3, gold, silver, precious stones, in contrast to wood, hay, and stubble, <coughs> the one that gets you the best return is the one that you didn't expect or didn't go after. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Why? That, when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So, the joy comes at the end. Hold your place there. Go back a couple pages to Hebrews 12. I'm, I, I think sometimes people, they kind of just get ahead of themselves, maybe, in reading a sentence. Or they just kind of gloss over it. Hebrews 12 is very important in the beginning. And we're going to start in verse 1, but verse 2 is, is what we want to talk about. Okay? In verse 1, he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, referring to the passage of beforehand and we call it Hebrews 11 okay let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us so there's a sense in which what we do is we want to say is this weighing me down it is not sin the weight is not sin it's just slowing you down it's just getting in the way it's not expedient first Corinthians 6 and first Corinthians 10 and then in verse 2, he said, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was where set before him. There was no joy in the cross. How do we know that? Watch. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. So if you don't have the right idea that he, if you vision that he had joy all through that, he didn't. It was for the joy that was set before him. After it was all done, he was going to redeem mankind. And then he was going to have souls that would be saved forever because of that. And then he would fellowship with those souls and etc., etc., etc. Whole other lessons in itself. So, he gives us these words, Hebrews 12, he gives us these words in 1 Peter chapter 4 so that we don't get weary and faint in our minds. When you faint in your mind is you get weak, you give up, you cave in. Now, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So your expectation as a child of God is very important. What you picture you got when you got saved, what you picture your life in Christ is going to be like, or as some people today say, should be like. Now, it's important for us to realize that what we're looking for is at the end, on the other side. See you on the other side, Sayotos. See you on the other side. Isaiah 48 
Okay, Isaiah 48, I'll read you a verse here. In verse 10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. So these things that happen to us are for our eternal reward, our, our eternal glory, our, our eternal condition, you might say. Psalm 17, 3, Thou hast proved mine heart, Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. He's saying, God, try me. You have tried me and I want to come forth. Okay. Now, here's what's important is when we think of this statement and he's going to go on and say, verse 14, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye for the spirit of glory. And we're going to get to that. But I wanted to focus for a little bit on this statement you can't think you cannot we cannot allow ourselves to think it's strange about these fiery trials i think that so often even when you take prayer requests or you hear someone asking for prayer that they're basically trying to get god to take away the fiery trial but there's a problem with that if you don't have the fiery trial you don't get the glory that shall be revealed. He said, you'll be glad at the end of verse 13, also with exceeding joy. Now, it says when his glory shall be revealed. So it's not joy while you're going through it. It can be some heaviness, but it is within mind, keeping in mind the joy that is set. So when we think about what he's warning us about, when he's talking to us about, he said, beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. And I know perhaps uh, you don't relate to some of my illustrations. I would say there's a great proportion of Christianity that does not want to relate to things like military training, uh, even to things like athletic training. Now, when these fellows go play football, they're not going to battle. But they are, let's take things like rugby. Uh, let's take things like the NFL gridiron. Let's take things like uh, Aussie Rules football, if you've ever watched a clip of it. They're putting their bodies on the line. There's no doubt about that. They are. And they have to put their bodies through, and their minds, to be disciplined enough to put their body through it. They have to go through a lot just to do that occupation. But let's just step it up many notches and talk about the training of warriors, of soldiers. Now, if you start with the world as your example, you'll miss this altogether. Because the world's example of a soldier includes crassness and cursing and drinking for sure, okay? But that's not God's example. God's example, for example, are men like David and those men in the Old Testament that were clean, were following Jehovah, and loved God, and had their own set of faults and sins, but they were warriors for God. They, they didn't mistreat the enemy like the enemy would mistreat them if they killed them and found their bodies. So we need to start as Christians with God's example and work out for our illustrations, for our pictures. I, I get quite concerned at this modern approach that 
gets a little bit of scripture and a whole lot of the world in a message. A little bit of scripture and a whole lot of worldly illustrations that they didn't filter through the words of God. For us to get it right and to create the right mindset, the right picture, the common word today is paradigm. Uh, you know, a paradigm comes from language, a lot of it, and it's like when you conjugate words and your different tenses, your different endings, etc. The reason that's so important is that paradigm tells you how to understand the words and, the, and how they're being used, you know, present tense, past tense, active tense, all that kind of stuff. And by the way, your English language is still the most current present day language. Still is. Way better than somebody telling you to go find. They, they, I heard a fellow say that English is a dead language, but, but Bible Greek is a living language. It's the opposite, literally the opposite. But lest I digress, let me say this. Start with the biblical example. So he said, as a good soldier, 2 Timothy 2, 2, of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness as a good soldier, Jesus Christ. You train good soldiers by helping them have the right expectation of daily life. You've heard me say that the Navy SEALs say, the only easy day was yesterday. I, I've adopted that motto as a Christian. And I don't look for hard days, but I'm ready for them. Because it's going to happen. Now, now, let me say this to you. There's many things in life that happen because you live in a sin-cursed world. So the car breaking down, a flat tire in the pouring rain, accidents, sickness, illnesses, those are not in themselves fiery trials. Those are, as the Bible says, the same things accomplished in our brethren that are in the world. And he says that over in chapter 5, verse 9, which we'll get to, where he says in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may, you ought to mark that word may, he has to have permission, who he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. There are so many things that are just because you're alive on earth. And yes, you should ask God to help you. And yes, you should give him the glory when he does. But those are not fiery trials. Now, here's what I'm trying to say to you. <clears throat> if you consider a flat tire a fiery trial, you are not ready for a fiery trial at all. Because when the fiery trial comes, you're going to say, well, this is so strange. How could this happen to a Christian? I love God. I'm living for God. I'm reading my Bible. I read my Bible this morning. I had prayer. I made intercession. And then wham, something happens. There's another saying Bob Jones Sr. had. You cannot do right and get away with it. You thought he's going to say you can't do wrong and get away with it. No, you can't do right and get away with it. So when we come to this, these are really important passages on how to think. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. So you understand that this is not, when, some, when a true fiery trial comes your way, it's not 
out of character for God. It's not cataclysmic. It's not abandonment by God. And it's not, we're the only one on earth. I was reading a passage over there, you know, where Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal. And then he gets the threat from Jezebel and he's tired and wore down, expended all this. And then he runs for his life. And he gets out there as far as he can go and is tuckered out and lays down and sleeps. And he wakes up and there's the angel, food and water. He sleeps some more and the angel wakes him up and says, eat again, food and water. And by the way, he didn't do a 40-day fast like most people have in the modern age where they hurt and all that. It says he went in the strength of it 40 days and 40 nights. He wasn't laying balled up on the floor in cramps and all that, and I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying that's just trying to do it by mere willpower and, and force God to do something. That's not how God works. So we have to understand that we've got to not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial. There are so many things that happen to us because of our own neglect. Or there's so many things that happen to us for someone else's neglect. There's things that happen in life because the earth is cursed. The ground is cursed. The food is cursed. Uh, the weather is cursed. The weather's going to change. If, if For as long as we're here getting closer to the end, all kind of stuff's going to change. That's just the course of life. Those are the things in chapter 5, verse 9, that are accomplishing your brethren in the world. So do pause and ask yourself, is this one of those things? And it is. Is it inconvenient sometimes? Oh, yeah. Is it a real, sometimes a pain? Yes, it is. Uh, inconvenient doesn't begin to describe some things that can happen. But it's not the fiery trial. So let's talk about the fiery trial, okay, which is to try you. And it's most extreme form it is like what you would read in the fox book of martyrs which is only now listen dear friend many of those things are less than well now about 200 years old maybe 250 200 years is not very long you take the united states of america uh, we are a baby country compared to the rest of the world i know that we're everybody tries to brainwash americans into thinking we're the greatest nation on earth and all that I don't know how God looks at that. And I, I don't know who decided to tell Americans that except to try to get them totally in love with here and especially Christians. If you can get a Christian to buy into something, that's the ideal scenario. Employers love Christians who will buy into the company. Now, they don't want you bringing your Christianity too far into the company, but they want you to come because you're clean, you're reliable, Many of you are on time. You're going to give more than a day's work for a day's pay. They love that. So, the fiery trial could be as much as when people went to the stake. It could be as much as someone, you know, putting you into prison for being a Christian. I would say this. I know what I believe and I know what I'm willing to suffer for of my beliefs. I would say this. Please be careful. You don't buy into a belief that has nothing to do with being a Christian, but that you associate with being a Christian because it's in the so-called, say, Constitution of the United States or whatever country you're, you live in. Beware, beware, beware. 
I told them recently, I said, look, in a class, I said, you see the bumper sticker, you know, they can have my gun when they pry it from my dead hand. Well, you do what you want. I don't want to go to heaven because I was, I was going to fight to the death over owning a weapon. But I would hang on to my Bible till they pry it from my cold dead hand. And if you don't like that, that's not me being a pacifist. That's the least thing I am as a pacifist. Uh, but I know through studying my Bible and studying the Lord Jesus Christ's life and the apostles' life and so many who've gone on before us the last 2,000 years that none of them wanted to stand before God because they insisted on fighting it out with any authority because it's not in the book. So it's not a fiery trial to if you ever have to surrender you know, your self-defense weapons. That's not a fiery trial. It's a scary thought, and it's, and it's intrusion, but it's not. There are millions of people, millions of people on this earth that don't have that liberty that Americans have and privilege. There are millions, millions of Christians around the earth. They have no basic form of self-defense, and they live for God, and they glorify God every single day. See, it's not me being a pacifist, but it is saying... Don't get it in your head that that's a fiery trial. Don't get it in your head it's a fiery trial if you have to drive to the speed limit. If, if, uh, if they're all up in arms, you know, I, look, I understand we just came through a pandemic with, you know, mandatory va- vaccinations, all this kind of stuff, mandatory this and that. And I'm out in the work environment and it was, it was a great inconvenience. It was beyond that. It was almost dangerous if you had... One person over here was totally no vax. Other person here has almost got a hazmat suit and they come into the shop and you're trying to serve them both at once. You talk about a hilarious situation. You ought to see that. It is downright hilarious. Okay? So I'm just saying to you, be careful. Be careful. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happening to you. I don't know if you've done this. And I don't know that any of us can guarantee that we would be okay and that we would pass the test if it came to a fiery trial. But in my heart and mind, daily, I prepare myself for it. Now, one way you've got to prepare yourself is through submitting to the Word and the Holy Spirit because it is not within us, okay? It's not within us to want to go through a fiery trial, the fiery trial. You've heard of fight or flee, right? Okay. Some would fight to the death for their liberties. Others will flee. That's like Simon Peter. And I thank God that the Lord trusted Simon Peter with with humility and the humiliation of recording what happened to him when the Lord Jesus Christ was being tried. What happened? He fleed. He fled. He fled by what? By denial. That's what they try to do with any kind of fiery trial. They want you to deny. They don't mind if you fight them because they're going to win. Do you remember that Jeremiah was entrusted with the message that said to Zedekiah, submit to this situation, go into captivity, and I'll take care of you. And he wouldn't listen to Jeremiah. Instead, he listened to those that said, if we fight, if we fight, we're going to win. And he lost. And they killed all his sons 
before his eyes and then put his eyes out so that the last thing he ever saw was his sons being killed. Why? Because in that case, it was clear. Submit. For some people, you think, you're going to think that submitting to just the laws of the land is a fiery trial. It's not. It's going to be much bigger and greater than that. Why? Because in verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. The Lord Jesus Christ did not suffer as an evildoer, and so he tells us not to. He did not suffer as a rebel. He did not suffer as someone who was fighting him. When it came to that tax thing, he said, go catch a fish and pay the taxes, Simon. When it came to going to the cross and being decreed there by the heathen, he submitted to it for the sake of the Father's will and the souls of mankind. He said, if, it, if this was my day and my kingdom, my people would fight. But it's not, and it's not yet. <laughs> it hasn't changed. We're still in the church age, okay? Rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, verse 13. That, would you circle it? Would you get it in your head? There's a reason. When his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, there is a sense in which he says, rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering, that... When his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also exceeding joy. If we don't have a measure, a measure of rejoicing at going through the sufferings of Christ and partaking of them, we probably aren't going to get a full reward. It's going to affect it. How we go through it affects it. Uh, we've got some messages of, about being in the fire, you know, victory in the fire. Well, it's illustrations of people who suffered. And in my heart, the one thing I want to do as a soldier of Jesus Christ is be so submitted to him that I can do that. That my pride won't make me fight and my fear won't make me run. That's going to take us being prepared. Beloved, think it not strange. So he's saying, get your head around this. Get ready, and when you do, think it not strange. Why? In verse 13, that, that when his glory shall be revealed, when he comes back, when he calls us out, all the things that surround that, you may be glad. Also, with how much joy? Exceeding joy. There's no way to measure the joy that a believer will have at the reward and judgment time, as in 1 Corinthians 3, etc. Okay? There's no, it's exceeding joy because it lasts eternally. Well, we'll stop there for this class and then we'll pick it up here again next time. Father, we pray you'd write this on the hearts of the listeners. We pray they'd study to show themselves approved unto you and be ready. Let us be ready, not just to live for you, but to face the fiery trial. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.